Welcome everybody to episode 93 of Door Tunes. Um, as ever, we're only seven away from that 100, so here's hoping. So this week I've got a really special guest with me. Um, I think it'd be good for them to introduce themselves. Hi, hello, yes, my name's uh, Rick Godwin. I am a writer and narrative designer for video games. So, you know, you're not a composer and neither am I. Um, I do ask this question pretty much everybody on the show. How did you get to where you are now? So, I get that question quite a lot, unsurprisingly. Um, so I actually had this conversation with some colleagues about two days ago. Um, I live in Lyon in France, and we have a little narrative design and meetup every, every, uh, every few months. And there's always new faces popping in and out. And this is always the first question. So my answer is, is well rehearsed at this point. And it's basically luck and a bit of work. Um, I'm obviously not from France, even though I live over here. I'm, I'm from the UK. And I moved over here uh, following my wife, who's French, uh, came over with, you know, grand ambitions of actually, I initially wanted to be a, a gaming journalist. I wanted to write about games rather than for them. Mm -hmm. Um and as luck would have it, um, life took me in a slightly different direction as my wife, um, she's a, a UX UI designer, and she knew um, a guy who in the city called uh, Laurent, uh, Laurent Victorino, who is the director of a small games company called uh, Monkey Moon. And he was working on their first big project. It wasn't their first game. It was their first big project called Nightcall. Um and he was actually, he wasn't looking for a writer. He was looking for an English language, a native English language, uh, copy editor and proofreader. Two things I'd never done in my life before, but I, I knew I knew how to write and my degree is in, in English and linguistics. So I, I, you know, I have a passing familiarity with the, with the English language. So I met the, um, him, the rest of the team working on Nightcall and crucially the writer and creative director uh, a guy called Anthony Jeannot, and we hit it off. I did all of the copy editing for the English language version of that game, and I actually was ended up, I ended up being, uh, he let me write a few of the characters because the game itself is sort of a taxi driver simulator where there's like 80, I think there's 75, 80 different passengers you can pick up. Uh, and that's that's the that's the core of that game. It's not, there is a, there is a murder mystery going on in the background, but the core is just, go you know drifting through paris at night and talking to the sort of misfits that you pick up so i, I had the the look of writing uh, a couple of those anthony liked the work i did with them and so the next year when he decided to start a uh, narrative design agency i was the first person he called i was very happy to uh to be uh, uh the, the first person he thought of alongside our, our colleague cindy and that's where I remain. I am essentially part of this trio of, of narrative designers and writers with Anthony at the lead. And we sort of are parachuted into various projects to to help out development teams with their writing and narrative design. Yes, um, I believe that you recently were, were involved with Under the Waves. Yep, that's the most recent release. It's been a crazy year for Act Zero because we've had a bunch of games come out. Obviously, we we started two or three years ago and all those games are now seeing release. But yeah, Under the Waves is the, is the one that's sort of come out most recently, mm -hmm. um, which uh, was, a. I mean, it doesn't always happen. Obviously, there's ups and downs in any industry when you're dealing with um, deadlines and mm -hmm. 
the video game industry is rather notorious for its working conditions that aren't always optimal. But in this case, Under the Waves was a joy to work on. Uh, it was uh, the game itself, uh, just to sort of introduce it, is um, semi, um, it's hard to describe. It's a semi open world narrative adventure game set uh, in uh, underneath um, the waves huh, of, of uh, the North Sea. Um, and the, I think the game it gets most frequently compared to is uh, Firewatch. It's sort okay. of a narrative, yeah, it's a narrative driven game where you're sort of performing a, a role in the world. In this case, you, you play as a guy called Stan, who is an underwater maintenance diver working in this oil. Currently on my um, on my wish list, I am that is a want to play. And Firewatch is one of my favorite games ever. Mm. Ever. It just Me too. It. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an incredible I, um, experience. Uh, and Soundtrack Firewatch is just gorgeous. I um, was lucky enough to be able to grab a copy from Vines. Ah, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, in fact, one of the, sorry, I just continue no, there. It's, no, no, that, as, you, as you pointed out, we're both, you know, the, 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 the podcast is called Dork Tunes and, and I'm not a composer. But it's funny that one of the, um, the studio that, that produced uh, the game um, was started by three people, which is uh, Honan, who was the director of the game, Sebastian Renard, who is the uh, creative lead on the Plague Tale games. That's what he, the, the games he's most known for. Yeah. And also uh, Nicholas, um, I've got to get his surname right. I think it's Bredin, who is the composer, which is not often that you see the composer of music for a game be one of the founding members of a studio. I don't think, I can't, you know, I'm not sure if you can quote me on that. But um, uh, yeah, and he, his his sort of contributions to the soundtrack, the soundscape of the game was like key to getting that underwater atmosphere. And how did you find kind of, how do you find working with composers? Do you have a lot of kind of contact with composers when you're working on this? Unfortunately not really. So I'm in a sort of strange position uh, being, in this, being in this agency. So being an outside sort of contractor as opposed to being um, in with the team, in that I don't, I often will work in a silo. Um, so I'll just be off on my own, writing away or designing particular narrative tools or, or you know, um, um, the, the way to sort of get the story, ways to get the story out there in the game. And then someone will come along eventually, look at what I've done and gone, oh, that's, that's pretty good, that works. Or, you know, that's terrible, we don't want anything like this. Um, so unfortunately, with especially with um, with Under the Waves, where the music is so, it really is key, I think, to, to, to the sort of what the atmosphere the game is trying to, and the story, actually, the game is trying to tell. I didn't. I met Nicholas for the first ever time at the, uh, at the launch party in um, which they hired, um, they hired, um, um, sorry, almost, almost the next best thing. It was um, in Paris. Um, the, 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 the Seine is sort of lined with these houseboats um, and also how, you know, bar boats. A lot of them are turned, turned into bars and they hired one of those. And so we had a oh, lunch nice. party for under the waves, sort of on the waves, which was, which was quite nice. But that was the first time I met him. Um, okay. So yeah, it was, it was a, it was a shame I didn't get to work closer with them, but um, yeah, his his music is as much a storytelling part of the game as my words are. I think. Yeah, absolutely, I would agree with that. You know, having worked on games myself, you know, um, I worked on Magnificent Truffle Pigs mm. with Andrew um, from Thunk, and um, who was originally from the Chinese. And I remember Andrew said, "Look, come over for a drink. I want to speak to you about something." I was like, "Yeah, sure," because mm. um, we live 
in we both live in Leeds. And <laughs> so we met and he played look and doing this game and we did like you take part of it, you know, um be the music consultant for it. Um mm. so basically my job was to take the script, read it, understand the characters, understand okay. the kind of motivations, understand who they were, and kind of create soundscapes for them. You know, nice. um both characters are very, very different. Um <clears throat> and then kind of one for the general story and the kind of overarching story. Mm. And it's funny because you don't really realise it at the time when you're doing it because you're just enjoying the kind of process, um, which was, it was long and, it, you know, but it was really enjoyable. Um, that actually I was shaping the kind of the sound that was going to come from the game, mm. you know, mm. because of the way that I could see the atmosphere. And I, can, I can see the overarching pool you know, story, thing, you know, everything's come together. I've, I've got a really good way of being able to see that in anything. Um, and that comes in really handy when you're doing something like that. And mm. then having to go away and kind of recommend people that could potentially score for the game. Um, and it ended up, and I didn't find this out quite, quite late in the day, um, which was good in a way for me, um, that it ended up being scored by Kevin Penkin. Oh, okay. Nice. And Kevin is a wonder. He is a machine. Um, <laughs> I think most composers are, to be brutally honest. Um, mm. They just never stop. You know? <laughs> but Kevin, um, I met him at EGX many years ago. Um, I, gave him, I gave him one of my tickets, actually. And because um, I did my first panel there. Um, so there was me and Kevin, Yoris, um, a few others. And having a few drinks afterwards and he brought me the rain and it was just like I'm, I'm sat there kind of going what do I do <laughs> yeah 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 well it, that's funny actually because um although I never got to meet her but Lena Rain actually scored the game I did before under the way it's Harmony for oh, no yeah. not yeah we did uh, we did um uh, it's a, a little visual novel for, for, for Don't Nod, which was amazing working with that team because Life is Strange is one of my all-time favourites. And and Lena did the soundtrack. And, and genuinely, one of the highlights of that of that process was hearing her soundtrack come in. Um, and she said, she's gone on record to say that it's the soundtrack she's most proud of. Mm-hmm. Like she's, um, she, she was experimenting, she was pushing herself, a couple of characters, she she sort of moved into areas and instruments that she wasn't usually um, uh, conversant with, like um, sort of strings and um, one is a sort of freeform jazz piece. And she just, she'd never done that before, she'd always wanted to. And they actually had a, a soloist come on, a solo a violinist come on to do a lot of the sort of um, character themes. And hearing her interpretation of the characters that we'd been writing was, in, it was it's always a joy hearing of actors come out and voice the words that you'd written. But hearing the music is somehow, it, 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 it's more evocative in a sense. And honestly, I put, the, I put my headphones on and I listened to that soundtrack. It's about 50 maybe not 50 minutes long. It's about half an hour long. Um, and I listened to that and I was just away from the world, from the world for those sort of 30 minutes. It was, and it's incredible. It, it, I mean, if anyone's not listened to that, I think it's on all of the streaming services, Spotify, uh, Apple Music. Um, it's it's exceptional. Like it, whether or not you are in have any interest in the game, the soundtrack is worth listening to as a standalone piece uh, completely. Um, but it's interesting what you said about soundscapes as well, because 
I mean, it's an old, it's a bit old hat now, but there's a thing, you know, that thing that everything is narrative. I mean, that's what yeah. we tell ourselves as narrative designers and sound is, sound is no different and soundscapes, especially when it's, it's really interesting that you mentioned that it was linked to a character, to each character mm. that, that, that changes the whole um, vibe of the game when these characters are on screen. And again, something Lena managed to do with, um, with, with harmony and in under the waves, Nicholas managed to uh, under the waves it, without spoiling the game. It's, it's, it's quite a heavy game in terms of its topics uh, mm -hmm. deals with a lot of, um, yeah, very, very sort of uh, cases on the extreme, on the, on the extremes of grief for yeah. various reasons. Yeah, yeah. I, I find kind of things like that really interest me. You know, like I played um, the That Dragon Cancer, which is, you know, really famous. Um, but that soundtrack is, you know, it, it, it's, it's just, Phenomenal. Yeah, I, I can't do it. I, I can't play that game. I I don't want to. Like, and I, th you know, I, I I'm sure it's gorgeous and and an incredible tribute. But I can't. Like, um, there there are certain. I mean, I'm not going to compare Under the Waves to it because obviously it was based. That Dragon Cancer was based on real a real life lived experience. Yeah, which you can't. Uh, yeah, friends of his. Yeah, and, of his. and you can't. Like, there's something when that happens to you or someone you love. This. There's really some this it makes that that long-standing impression, but I I can't like I'm um I'm glad it exists. It's one of those games that I'm extremely glad it exists. Yeah, yeah, um yeah. I'm glad that it got like um public recognition. recognition. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's, I I have no desire to play that game at all. It's without question one of my top three soundtracks of all time. Oh really? Okay, there's well I'll, I'll... there's a piece on it called Awake or Awake My Joel, and that's mm. probably my favorite piece of all time. Um, yeah, it's such a beautiful short piece, like two minutes max. Yeah. Um, but the notes they're so like steppers, they let you breathe, they let you hear the notes, they let you hear the kind of the hope, the fear, the love, you know, and every single note. And it just carries me away. And every time, and I get quite upset listening to it because it's so beautiful. And when yeah. I was doing, when I originally, I'm, I interviewed John a long time ago. Um, and when I was <laughs> there's two funny stories um, well two stories about it one was when I interviewed for the first time I'll tell you about that in a second um, because of the kind of story and you know it's a real life thing and, you know I spent most of the interview actually on the verge of tears yeah um, and then <laughs> and then my partner decided for some reason before I got anything anything to do with the, the show and edited it, he mm. uh, wiped our computer completely. Oh no! Oh no! The worst possible instance of that happening. Oh yeah. my goodness! So I had to email John and say, Look, <laughs> "Really sorry, but um, you, can you do it again?" <laughs> oh my goodness! Trying to cap trying to capture that lightning in a bottle for the second time. Yeah, and you know what? We did it again. That was fine. It's many little bits. You know, like John was saying that, and I don't know, I, I don't know if, if this is the same with you, but when you're, you're writing, he said that he had something, and he was like, and his wife and his kids went to bed one night, and he just sat in front of the piano, and this just came out. Mm. It all just came out, and he was like, right, that's it, done. Box that off. 
we are. That is, you know, get rid of the other one. That's not it. This is it. Yeah. You know, he just knew at that time. And it is such a special soundtrack. Mm. That's yeah. I'll have to I, again. I, I don't think I honestly don't think I have the courage. I mean, I don't have children myself. Um, no, me either. I've got two but, dogs, you know, and it's difficult enough with that. Weirdly enough, yeah. Like I, um, I do, <laughs> I do tend to um, in under the waves. There's actually a, a moment that I won't spoil, but uh, I wrote my a character, shall we mm. say, a very, very much. It's 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 a character that's mentioned. Under the Waves is essentially a one-man play. There's only one character model in the whole game. Mm -hmm. But uh, he still does have conversations through various means. And there's one that they talk about, like, letting people go. Yeah. And um, I, I included one of my pet's names in that conversation. Mm -hmm. And it's such a silly thing. But, like, when you're talking about death and you link it to someone it's a you link it to some some creature person whoever you know it does help for me it helps inform my emotions right in the scene like yeah. it starts something that started off as like a little personal easter egg to me but then you realize after writing it and rewriting it a few times it's like mm -hmm. by putting that that familiarity into the scene you end up getting closer to the emotion that you want i think and it's still one of the scenes i'm proudest of in in the game which yeah. Uh, it's 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 often. I mean, like uh, the way the the game was written. Um, just to sort of give a bit of illustration about that was that um, the story, the overarching story was was uh, the concept was from Sebastian, mm -hmm. who, like I said, um, is uh, the one of, one of the creative leads. I think he was the creative lead on um, Plague Tale Two, and he was the the lead uh, writer on uh, Plague Tale One. He helped conceptualize that world, create the characters. Okay um and he actually came up with the the overarching story of of under the waves this sort of um uh the basic outline of it all and then um he uh, obviously he's he's um he's employed by sobo um so he didn't necessarily have the time and i think there were various uh, contractual obligations that he wasn't able to sit and write it mm -hmm. um and through Act Zero, uh, the, the agency, and um, through various contacts I have in the, in the French gaming industry, I ended up coming on, did a few little sort of test pieces. I ended up writing um, the characters themselves. But um, it was it was Ronan, uh, the director, going off sort of Seb's uh, overarching story that will provide me with prompts for the various scenes. But these were often like one-line intros um and that was all i had to go on and then from that point i would write the dialogue I, I was essentially um i was writing the script but also the the incidental sort of uh dialogues and the anything in in the english language minus the minus the loading screens that appears in in that game it, i wrote and it that was a great way to work and this is why i say it was such a joy to work that way because especially with scenes like this which was essentially Stan discusses topic with character. I, I had sort of not carte blanche, you know, you still get that iteration, for the, you know, back and forth, but it was such a joy to be able to like really, um, like I say, bring some of, uh, bring some of my own familiarity to it, especially when you're dealing with those really heightened emotions and like properly ground yourself in this sort of, in the atmosphere of what the scene is trying to, portray if that doesn't sound too pretentious um no, no, no. Well, I totally get 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 hearing the soundtrack to to go with that scene, it it really elevates it. Like it it, it does. Like it, it, obviously, these these games are these sort of multifaceted like creatures that are meant to be seen as a whole. So when you see the scene without the music, of course, it looks sterile. Um, and you start as a person, you start doubting yourself. Like it's like, oh, is this just a bit rubbish? And it's because it's be you're seeing it half formed. And so when the music comes in, when the when the like you say the soundscapes come in. In this case, you know, lots of ocean noises, lots of sort of whale song. It it really it seeing it come together is is it is affecting. Like I did sort oh, of totally. yeah, yeah. Like it's um, so, go ahead. It's funny you say that because. There are definite moments in some games that, you know, even I, I won't forget, you know, that I've played over the years. Like the moment in Everybody's Gone to the Rapture where Stephen, um, he sat crying on the stairs, denouncing his own religion. You know, that's not a spoiler, though. Um, it's right, it's very pity. Only got three years old. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a scene in um, Journey where you're, racing down the sand and the camera pulls out and it's just yeah. sun in your eyes it's just incredible you know? mm. there's a bit in there's a bit in firewatch um that actually scared me um really scared me um you know i i really love those moments and the music that goes with them because you never forget those it's really special you know i i re really i replayed um rapture recently mm. And it kind of hits hard, you know. I mean, I Jessica's score was my favorite score for my most listened to um, album for six years straight. Mm. Six years straight, it's my go-to album when I'm like, I need to just chill, or I'm annoyed, or whatever. You know, it is mm. my go-to album. You know, I just I, love that soundtrack. I'm sat here smiling because that's what I wrote under the waves too. Like that. That is that game. I uh, is still one of one mm -hmm. of my all time favorites, and probably the game to make me cry the most. Like at the end of every chapter, I was a I was a mess. Like, yeah. and the music is no small part of that. That it's so often you hear that again. I am, I you know, I I, I like music. Mm -hmm. Big statement, you know. I don't know anyone who doesn't, but I I am not conversant in I terminology or <laughs> uh, I'm not convert like that conversant in terminology or yeah. genres and stuff. But to me, that soundtrack, which I, I it felt quintessentially British because it's that sort of choral English church choir, British church choir music mm -hmm. that you just similar to the setting of the game was completely mm -hmm. unique at yeah, the yeah. time and now mm -hmm. and. That game, and then, th so the soundtrack is obviously extraordinary, but that game in itself was and is an all-timer for me. And there's, yeah. I, th there's, there's a, it's one of my favorite. It contains one of my, can we, if we put like a spoiler warning, can we talk about a very sort of tangent? It's, it's not a central plot moment. It's sort of a side plot moment. Is, can we talk about that? Okay. So let's just say spoilers for, like you say, a, <laughs> However old that game is now, God, it, when was uh, eight years? Eight years, oh my God! So let's say spoilers for 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 everybody's gone to the rapture. Um, so there's a obviously so the game obviously has these lights. Yeah. Um, you're exploring this this sort of um, deserted 
um, English, quintessentially English town, country town in sort of from the sort of mid 80s, mid to late 80s. It's deserted. You're wandering as an unnamed observer, um, viewing these sort of tableaus cast in light. And through each section, excuse me, you're being guided by this ball, this right. essentially floating globe of light that as it gets close to you, sort of you can hear snippets of garbled dialogue mm-hmm. and each chapter is named after a character mm-hmm. in this sort of radio play that you're walking through. And I'm going to forget the names, but I remember being very affected by the fact that each light has its own personality without any um, without any sort of um, uh, overt characterization. The first one who is, I, again, I can't remember. I know there's one of the lights is representing sort of old curmudgeonly character. So it's slower. It doesn't flit around very much. It says almost nothing. And then there's another one played like that's that sort of embodies the town gossip, which is constantly bouncing around and constantly speaking. And there's one moment where this obviously is a story about a prodigal son returning to this town with his American, crucially black American wife, mm-hmm. who is who is who's facing small town British racism from the from the eighties. And this character himself is finding him is finding himself sort of becoming colder towards his wife and gravitating towards his his childhood sweetheart, and they end up having an affair. And there's something that's always like whenever she, um, whenever the sort of um, the, the the sweetheart ends up in the story, there's this uh, like they're speaking around something. You never know quite know what it is, mm-hmm. and then you finally get to her chapter, <laughs> and her glow her orb appears i'm probably gonna i'm probably gonna start cracking up even talking about it and around her glow is another tiny little orb like orbiting it like a moon and i had to put the controller down and leave the room yeah yeah it took me a while to figure that out it Uh, it, i remember yeah man it it, go ahead go ahead no no and when it was just about to be released about six weeks before. I tell this story all the time, but it's you know it's very important for this piece. And um, Jess sent me the soundtrack. And amazing. Two pieces of music made me cry. Mm. Um I pretty much can guarantee you you know which ones they are. Mm-hmm. It's the train station. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then at the that whole little that yeah. the, the those two moments and I, I not even played the game. And then when yeah. I played the game and realized that what those piece, pieces were, you know, and they slot together, it's just incredible. It's like, it's insane. Like it's yeah. it's narrative. It it's it's yeah. one of those games that is you can't quite believe it got made. Like it's it. I don't know. Like in a the video games industry, unfortunately, especially now, as we've seen over the past few weeks, even with. Mm-hmm. returning embracer layoffs and uh, budgets crunching and um, lots of people being made redundant. It's it, it's a, a risk-averse industry. Mm-hmm. Increasingly, we are losing this mid-tier developer, the double-A game, mm-hmm. who, and that's where a lot of, obviously in indie games are where a lot of the experimentation happens, but, on at scale that tended to happen in these mid-tier games mm-hmm. a lot of people call them like 360 playstation 3 sort of period games mm-hmm. and 
games like Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, it make they're a miracle because you don't. I don't understand how. I want to. I want to see that pitch deck. I want mm-hmm. to see the document that they provided to Sony. I think it was Sony. It was. Um, yeah, to say like we are going to make essentially a guided radio play about a small British town in the 1980s and like the themes of isolation, religion, racism, and we're not going to have any characters in it. And you can't run and you will go through this extremely slowly. Don't die, let me know. <laughs> right, right. And it's I, the, the fact that not only was it funded, but it was funded to a level where at the time, and even now that game is graphically impressive. It's mm-hmm. a fantastic yeah. um, rendition of this tiny town. And the soundtrack is this soaring, glorious thing with like full choirs and complete orchestration. And it's the money is is on display from the very start. And it was recorded in Air Studios. Right. And it just makes me wonder how that game would not exist today, for example. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the China, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Chinese room are now doing Vampire Bloodlines, right? I think yes. they were announced as the, So, and I'm glad. I, I can't think of any other developer who would be on that game that would make me more excited about it. Mm-hmm. But they are still like this, this, this company that came from a game like Dear Esther and, mm-hmm. and sort of... Exper- also almost experimental. I mean, that was the, the, the game that coined the phrase walking to, uh, simulator, right? Mm-hmm. And that trajectory is very interesting when viewed in the sort of context of the game industry because they've gone from these sort of, well, it was a Half-Life mod originally, right? Yeah. Um, and then they've gone from that, they produced it into a full-blown game and they made these. Uh, they made a, an amnesia game, these sort of off-kilter, slightly odd games. And now they've sort of moved... I don't want to say mainstream because I think Bloodlines is still slightly off that. But the fact that even the Chinese room have moved towards that style of sort of more um, commercially appealable, uh, commercially viable games, mm-hmm. it makes me sad that like games like Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, I just, I personally, I don't know, but I, I don't think that would get funded today. It's funny when you say about what it's about. I never really, you don't really think about it. It's just, because you, you love it, you know, it's been out for a long time and you play it, you know, you revisit it and stuff. And mm. I've, I've seen definitely different things this time around than I did the first time. Oh, 100%. And it's really, really interesting. You know, the, the, I've missed bits. I know I've missed bits because I was mm. like, where's the conversation I had in this place? And I'm like, why didn't I go there? Because of, you know, but anyway, yeah, but that's the, the thing. Cur- the curse of being a narrative designer, never being able to play a game without actually, like, just on the spot and I'm analyzing yeah. how they're doing everything. Yeah. I know, it's, and that's exactly the same with composers. It's very, very different for them to kind of sit and play and listen to a game and not be kind of like, oh, okay, I hear this there. I, hear this <laughs> yeah. there, you know? I see um, what they did there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, I'm quite lucky in a, you know, in a way that I've been doing this for nearly 100 shows. It's mm. been 12, 13 years in various different guises and the experiences that it's afforded me, you know, I never even thought of, you know, um, I'm amazingly good friends with people I never thought I, I would be um, and it's afforded me experiences like going to see Ari being made at Air Studios. Um, yeah, that sounds amazing. I've seen, the, I've seen the photos from that session that you posted up. It looks incredible. Yeah, it really was. It was just phenomenal. So, yeah. And on, you know, and 
long may it continue because you know I love what I do with this and it's yeah. not because I do it for money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we all laugh together when money gets mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I even I've even started doing TikToks about um game music on vinyl. You know? Ah, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I I see I feel TikTok is I feel TikTok has passed me by somewhat, but maybe I'll need to check it out. But um I do, honestly, I love it. Yeah. But no, like <laughs> yeah, please. Um no, I again I like I think both of us have seen um the sort of internal workings of games and 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 I don't know if if people are aware of it, but we've online we've known each other for a while, right? Back in the old forum days, um, mm-hmm. where we both grew up uh well, grew up, he says presumptuously, but um we both sort of came up in this on these video game forums as fans, and now we both have this experience of games from an internal point of view. And I never, honestly, I, every day I, I thank my, like we just before the recording, we were talking about our weeks and I was like, Oh, I'm tired. I've had a few meetings, but it never goes away. How lucky we are. I am to be in this position. I, yeah. I, I'm literally doing the job that I would have dreamt of as a child. Um, and um, I, I, you know, I feel it's, Saying you're lucky to have a job in this sort of environment of, of um, yeah, it's true. Uh, so why not say it? Exactly. Yeah, and I do feel lucky. It is a job, and you know, I understand I'm here to make product, mm-hmm. but also, man, writing stories, seeing those stories realized, seeing, hearing the music put to those stories, dream come true. Well, I've only got to say one more thing, and that's thank you for being part of the show. Really no worries, amazing. absolute pleasure, absolute pleasure. And if you check your DMs on Twitter, I've sent. Hey, oh, brilliant! Thank you so much, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, absolute pleasure to be on. Um, can't good wait luck to talk more of. Thank you, you too. Good luck with the show one hundred. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>